God, God actually uh, woke me up one night in a tent in Af- Afghanistan, and uh, he told me that I was going to get out of the military and pursue a different calling he had for my life. And I remember processing this decision with uh, family and coworkers, and it, it was, it was a, a major shock to them. They thought I was pretty much ruining my life if I went forward with that decision to get out of the, the military. And I remember my commander actually sitting across from me, thinking I was completely out of my mind when I was talking to him about this experience of talking with God. And he thought I was crazy, and he was visibly angry with me, I remember that. Thought he was going to come out of his seat and smack me around. And I sometimes wondered if, if they were right. I remember thinking it, it didn't make a lot of sense to me either. I was fast-tracking in the military. I was very successful. There was a lot of things uh, about what I was actually doing that I really loved. It's not like I hated it. I loved training men for combat. I loved the camaraderie. I loved being really good at what I was doing. I was very excited about the trajectory I was on. Uh, it, it seemed like a mistake that uh, I might regret the rest of my life, honestly. But after seeking a lot of counsel, I remember getting to a point where I wrote out my two options in front of me, and, and I put them before God. And the first option, I remember looking at it. I still remember it as if it's today. I remember I looked at that list, and I was like, this is the most logical. The first one was to stay in. It was most logical. It was safe, it was financially secure, high probability of continued success. And then the second option was to get out of the military. And it was ridiculously illogical, financially unsafe. I I didn't know many people outside of the military. I'd enter into a different world that I didn't know. I didn't know what would become of me. Basically, it was a life that, it was an option that was unsafe, uncertain, not prominent. This option was a complete question mark. And I'll never forget during that that time of prayer, God gave me this overwhelming peace about option two, getting out. And and I, I couldn't shake the conviction that God had something more for me that I could ever imagine for myself. And I, I was just overwhelmingly convicted. That's where he wanted me to go, and that's where he wanted me to follow him. And it was really the beginning of my journey learning what true peace was and understanding that word. Jesus says that the peace he came to bring is different than the peace that the world gives us. Peace is typically understood as the absence of something. It's the absence of war, or peace is the absence of being in bitter disagreement with someone like a friend, a coworker, or a spouse, or it's the absence of being plagued by fear, anxiety, and personal mess-ups and brokenness. Or peace is understood as the absence of loneliness, or the absence of being troubled by confusion and uncertainty with things in your life, or it's the absence of financial struggles or just other life hardships. But in the Bible, peace isn't merely the absence of something bad or painful or difficult, but there's a fuller sense to it in the Bible. It's really about the presence of something, and chiefly, the presence of God himself. You see, God promises that we're going to have tribulations in our life. In fact, if you're a Christian, it's going to be doubly hard because there's going to be people that are going to be against you and aren't going to like you because of what you believe. There's, there's going to be troubles. And that's why to try to find ultimate peace by 
avoiding those things or trying to find it elsewhere at the end of the day is, is empty and, and futile. And what God wants to do, he wants to give us the kind of peace that's trustworthy. And it's not dependent on our circumstances. And I don't know about you this morning, but man, I, I, I long for that peace. Do you long for that peace? That's not based on what happens in your life. But it's based on God's presence in your life. It's hard walking in God's peace, but that's, that's what God calls us to. The Advent celebration is both, a, as, we've been, as Brittany was talking about this morning, as was kicked off last week, it's both a remembrance of Christ's coming and an anticipation of his second coming, his arrival. And today we want to stir our heart's adoration, our heart's affection and worship towards Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9-6, which was also mentioned last week, is Isaiah's prophecy of the promised Messiah. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. With Jesus' arrival came the embodiment of God's peace to the world. Last Sunday, Derek preached a great message on how Israel was living under this Roman rule, which was very oppressive. Many were expecting a Messiah to come and just take out Rome. But that's why so many people ended up missing Jesus. Luke 17, 21 actually gives us an account where the Pharisees, the religious of Jesus' day, were asking him about when the kingdom would come. And Jesus said this. He said, the kingdom of God is in your midst. It was super provocative. Because he was basically saying, you guys, you kidding me? You can't even see it? You see, the king of the kingdom was right in front of them. And the workers of the kingdom were happening all around them. Restoration, healing, loving, serving others for God's glory. It was being done and they couldn't see it. Because for them, God's peace equaled removal of Rome oppression and really just a swift, dramatic win for Israel. Someone like a King David who swoops in, takes out Rome and leads Israel out of oppression and into victory. And we easily miss it as well. It's easy to read these guys and think like, oh my gosh, right in your midst. Yeah, Jesus, these guys are idiots. I can't believe they didn't see it. It's easy for us to do that. It's like, what? It's obvious. He's right there, guys. But if we're honest, we miss it too. I know I do. In a world filled with war and violence, it's difficult to see how Jesus could be this all-powerful God who acts in human history to be the embodiment of peace. I mean, even just on a personal level, when I have a lot of back pain, I had a lot this week, actually, or there's a lot of conflict and relational strife in my home with my wife or with my kids, or, or I might be experiencing it with a friend or a coworker, or I feel disliked, or when I feel rejected by someone, or I'm feeling this month's budget and finances are a bit tight, it's very easy for me to not see the peace of God in my midst. Our hearts so quickly desire the immediate, drastic, obvious rescue. I get frequent, I mean, I'll just tell you right now, I get frequent migraines or my back can tend to give out. And in the moments of bodily pain, it's so easy for me to only believe that God's peace equals immediate removal or lifting of the pain. 
I can get so fixated on my bodily pains that I, can, I can't fathom a peace other than my pain being completely gone away or at least subsided quite a bit. It just doesn't make sense to me that there's peace in that. Or with the feeling of people rejecting or having some sort of issue with me where I feel unsettled in a relationship, man, that can take me out. For me, God's peace can equal the, the issue gets immediately resolved with them right away. Or I never see them again. <laughs> or, better yet, they see the error of their ways and they come apologizing to me. But John 14, 27, Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. You see, Jesus offers us a peace that we are to take from him that's different from the world's peace, which means it tends to be different than what you and I might think or expect. There was this one man in Jerusalem during the time of Jesus' birth whose name was Simeon. And this man, he was a righteous and devout man. He loved God. And he was in the temple frequently praying, waiting on God. And he was trusting that God would follow through with all these promises spelled out in the Old Testament, that he didn't forget his people, that he was going to come, that he would comfort his people, and that he would rescue the Israelites. And in fact, the Holy Spirit even told him that he wouldn't die until he actually saw the promised one who would bring this about, the Messiah, the anointed one that Derek preached about last week. And one day, Mary and Joseph walk into the temple with baby Jesus. And it's just such a cool scene. He goes up to the parents. I don't know what he says to them right away, but he picks up the baby. And he begins to praise God. And he says this, and starting with verse 29 in Luke 2, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. You're letting me die in peace, is what he's saying. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people, Israel. Simeon saw Jesus, this long-awaited Messiah, and he said that he can now die in peace. That's ultimate peace. I can die. And what's crazy is Simeon, Simeon, he's holding a baby. He's holding a baby. This is no knight in shining armor lopping Roman soldiers' heads off, taking it back for Israel. It's a baby. It's a little baby. Simeon's circumstance and the Jewish circumstance hanging under this oppressive rule and reign from Rome hasn't changed. Yet, in seeing Jesus, he was filled with so much peace and relief, as if the victory has been won. It's crazy. Have you experienced taking hold and receiving this peace in Jesus that God offers you today? Has Jesus' peace given you relief, rest in your soul? Simeon's peace came not from what's happening around him or what his own expectations might have been, but his peace came from who and how God chose to bring God's peace in his timing to Simeon and to the world. It was, it was based on him. Simeon grabbed and held on to the peace God offered him in 
Jesus. How do we receive this peace God offers us? I want that peace. Do you guys want that peace? How do we receive that peace? There's two things I want to say about that. First, we need to be reconciled to God. Ephesians 2, starting with verse 11, it says, Paul says this, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you once who were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh, Jesus' flesh, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace with God's grace, unmerited favor, at work through Jesus, apart from that, we are separated from God and we are without hope. There is no way you or I can make peace with God because of our sin and brokenness. You can't do it. I can't do it. We can't make up for it. It's too much. It costs too much. We can't work our way to God no matter how much we might try. We just can't. And separation from God is a very big deal because we were made by our creator to always be close and nurtured by him. When my wife and I go on a trip far away from our little ones, it can be hard on them because they need to see their daddy and mommy. In fact, for babies, it's devastating for their development to not have mom present, close, nurturing. That's trying to tell us something. We were made to relate because we were made to relate to a relational God. And our separation from God is actually death to our souls. And that's why the Bible says we are dead in our sins because we are made to always be nurtured by God. That is the very source of our life. And in fact, the Bible says we end up becoming his enemies and are awaiting judgment. And that's why it's such amazing news that God chose to come down to us, to rescue us. He didn't leave us as orphans. He came for us. He didn't forget about us. He didn't abandon us, but he came to us. And that, Jesus coming to us while we were in our sins, that's the source of our true eternal peace. To know God is one with you, your relationship with him is intact, and it's forever, that's ultimate peace. That's the foundation of Simeon's peace. That's his rejoicing. God's come to save the world, and it's meant to be ours. He's come to do a radical transformation, to get up in our hearts and make it brand new again. It's God's peace he is offering us. He's offering you to take and receive his son. He's giving you his son. Because he lived, Jesus lived and died in our place and was and is the perfect substitute for us. Do you know that you are utterly hopeless and infinitely separated from God without Jesus entering into the world and coming to you? Do you know that? If you don't see your desperate need for Jesus to reconcile you to God, the peace that God offers you in a day-to-day -day basis, in your day-to-day -day struggle, will never be enough. 
It won't ever be enough. It will just be talking about God's peace to one another will just be a platitude or a nicety. But it will never touch the depths of your heart and bring you lasting peace, deep peace, soul peace and rest. It just never works. God is never really here. God really never really says anything. Until you know that apart from Christ, your path is death separated forever, hopeless. There's no way you can go to God. But he came to you. And he reconciled himself to you. And there's a relationship that can never be broken in Christ Jesus that he offers you. That is the foundation of our peace. And family, the eyes of our hearts need to be awoken up and enlightened to see Jesus for who he is for you. If you want Jesus to be your prince of peace, he has to first be your sacrificial substitute who lived and died in your place, who lived perfectly on your behalf, who took your sin on the cross. He said, give me your sin and I'll give you my righteousness. Who instead of calling you an enemy and a child of wrath, which is what we deserve. He calls you a beloved child of God because of what his his beloved son did for us. If he is not that for us, then we can't possibly know him as the prince of peace. There is no peace. And the Bible says, be reconciled. Paul calls us as ambassadors of reconciliation. We make our appeal to you on God's behalf. And it says, be therefore reconciled. And I just want to say, reconciliation that Christ did on the cross, this isn't just a message that you goes in one ear out the other, you just listen to and you just agree with. It's something you actually have to take and receive and grab a hold of. Be reconciled. Are you reconciled? Have you said yes? Have you received the reconciliation of Jesus Christ? Have you rejoiced in the fact that he died for you? that you once were far off and he's brought you near by the blood of his own son and he's torn down the wall of hostility. This gospel truth is the thing that tears down divides in humanity. You want true union? It's that we see that the Prince of Peace gave up his life and torn down the wall of hostility. Jew and Gentile are one because of Christ. We're one because of what Christ did, his reconciling work. Be reconciled. Jesus' priest doesn't just make us right with God, but it also brings us new life and a whole new way of living. We don't need to just be reconciled, but the second thing is we need to keep going to him for his daily peace. John 14, 26 to 27 says this, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus says, he will teach you all things and bring to you the remembrance all that I have said to you. And then that verse 27, which we already read, it's right there. It says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I don't know if you see the connection here, but God's peace is Jesus' presence that he leaves with us by sending his Holy Spirit to us. Our new life with God is God's peace actually dwelling within us. It's not far off. It's inside of us. 
And that's why you see one of the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5, it's actually peace. The Spirit wants to regularly produce peace in us. The question is, how do we activate Holy Spirit-filled peace? Because I know many of us, though we might know all this truth, how often are we feeling peace? Think about that. How often are you feeling peace in any given day? And yet we have the Holy Spirit that wants to produce it. So how do we activate that? Philippians 4, starting with verse 6, it says this, Do not be anxious about anything. Thanks, Paul. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, praying for your needs, making requests, with thanksgiving, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, say it with me, we're going to say that last part together. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's pretty amazing. So one thing that needs to be really clear to all of us is God is not going to give us a constant feeling of peace, of this tranquility 24-7, as this we're, con- we're connected to an IV of peace that's always flowing, and we're just walking around, and it's just this constant, I am peace, I am at calm, nothing is bothering me, everything's okay. If you want that, you've got to separate yourself from everybody and Go off and be a hermit and just sit with the Bible and just don't, let, don't ever interact with people in your life. We, don't, we can't have that constant, I'm okay, nothing bothers me. That's not the peace that he's talking about. Once you have the Holy Spirit, you're constantly in a mode of peace and you don't need to think twice about it. We all know that. But I think sometimes we, we think it's supposed to be that way because we don't think the God peace thing works, I think. I think if we're honest, we, it's hard for us to believe. I know that's true for me. But what God's saying, he gives us a sufficient peace for the day, for the present, I should say. When we come to him, uh uh-oh, there's something we got to do. We come to him by prayer and asking with thanksgiving. We have been made to need Jesus moment by moment. Moment by moment. And here's the deal, as our awareness of our neediness goes up, it increases, so does our realization that he is so abundant and sufficient to really supply us with all our needs. But we have to know our neediness. He can meet every one of your needs. He can meet every one of our needs. And it doesn't drain his resources one bit. That's amazing. But do you know that? Do we know that? We really have two options when life is difficult, uncertain, painful, all these fun things. Option one, we can sit in our anxiety and pain and anger and not go to God with these things. Or there's this this second option. When we're struggling, we choose to trust God and trust that he's close to us and he wants to comfort and care for us and give us a peace that surpasses understanding. My son, Nathaniel, he struggles with a lot of fear. Nathaniel, a.k.a. Bubba, you guys, some of you might be wondering, who's Nathaniel? We only know a Bubba, but 
His name's Nathaniel. He struggles with a lot of fear. And um, whether it's reading a book or watching a kid's movie, he's way more so than our other kids, super frightened. He gets frightened just easily. And what he'll quickly do is he'll real quick put his hands over his ears and he'll close his eyes. He just shuts down. And sometimes he'll actually run off to a corner of the house or to the opposite end of the couch, and he'll just kind of burrow himself with his eyes and ears completely covered. And when he does that, there's nothing I can say to coax him out of it. He's just closed out. It's done. Communication's done. However, the times, those scary times when scary things come up in movies or in books, that he's actually in my lap or he's like right next to me, he'll still like kind of bring up his hands to get ready to kind of put it in his ear, kind of. But when I'm like cuddling up next to him and I start speaking into his ear, explain to him what's going on and remind him that he's safe and that I'm with him and that everything's okay, all the while while I'm holding him and bringing him really close to my body and just speaking into him, only then does he begin to draw his hands down and he begins to open his eyes and watch and kind of stay engaged with the reading or watching. It's really, really cute, actually. And I say that because God is offering to you and to us a peace. But it is really hard to trust him that he's enough in the midst of a lot of pain and a lot of suffering and a lot of hurt. Is his peace really enough? It is hard. It's hard to trust that his peace is really enough in those hardships. And that's why we honestly have to be careful about false peace. Because it can look and feel so good in the moment. Anything that can get you out of a conflict or give you validation in your desires or acceptance and love or health or financial security can end up being counterfeit peace us just putting our hands over our ears and closing our eyes and running off into a corner. It gets us through the immediate. But what it does, it sets in course a habit to settle for counterfeit peace and not the real peace. The very presence of Jesus. The very presence of the living, glorious, beautiful, wonderful, life-giving God. And he's saying to us this morning, he wants to be our peace. He wants to be your peace. He wants to hold you. He wants to speak into your ears. He wants to help you slowly bring your hands down from off your ears and open your eyes to see that he's actually there with you, that he is your strength, that he is your comfort, that he is enough, that he is your love. He is the same God who sent his son as a little baby into a very broken world. And he wasn't freaking out one bit, not even when Herod was sending soldiers to kill him, his, own, his little baby. God wasn't freaking out one bit. He knew exactly what he was doing and what he was accomplishing for us, for you. Just like when he delivered his son to die on a cross, his own son to die on the cross, when it seemed like all hope was lost, God knew exactly what he was doing. He was conquering the grave, overcoming sin, overcoming Satan, making a way for us to be with God. 
He knows exactly what he's doing with you. He knows exactly where you're at. He knows exactly how to comfort you. He knows exactly how to care for you. He knows all the days of your life. He knows the numbers of hairs on your head. And he wants you to receive his peace and comfort this morning. Will you let him? He loves you. He has drawn close to you. What I want to do this morning is respond to this message, respond to our Prince of Peace who's here this morning, who wants to comfort our souls by either doing one of two things. Either coming to the table for communion, which is typically what we do every Sunday. We celebrate the Lord's death. We take the bread, which is symbolic of Jesus' life, live for us, and we dip it into the cup, which is symbolic of Jesus' blood, which was shed on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. That makes us right with God. And if you're here today, and the way you want to respond is just taking that, taking those elements and saying, praise be to you, Jesus. You are my peace. Like, I invite you to come to the table if you believe Jesus is your peace. But others of you here this morning, you might want to go receive prayer. I'm going to have people, when we all stand up, you don't need to do it now, but I'd like leaders who are ready to pray for people to go off to the sides. There's going to be people off to the sides that are going to be ready to pray for you. And so if you're here and you might be like, man, I'm in a season of just feeling just in a place of a little bit of confusion, not knowing what to do. Good news, God's not the spirit of, God is not the God of confusion, but the God of peace. <laughs> peace, with God's peace comes clarity and direction. Sometimes we don't know what decision to make because we're all out of whack and we just need to be reminded he's with us and God's us. You might just need prayer for that. Some of you might, like me, we're, you might be in a lot of pain physically and you need some prayer for healing. I want to encourage you to go get prayer for healing. Ask God to pray, to give you comfort, peace, bring healing in your life. You might be here and you're like, man, I've never been reconciled to God. I've never actually said, yes, God, and received his reconciliation. You've never felt that peace with God. You've always been wondering, am I loved enough? Have I done enough to be loved by God? Am I really good enough? Does God really accept me? And you think... Up until now, it's been, you're trying to read the Bible enough or go to church enough, and it's just not enough. And for the first time, you're like, wow, I can be reconciled to God based on Christ alone through his death. I want you to go, go get prayer and say, yeah, man, I want Jesus to be my reconciler, and I believe that. Can you pray for me in that? That might be you. It could be a number of things, but those are some ones. And I just want to encourage us, go get prayer. Prayer, that, that time of prayer might be the most powerful thing in your day-to-day. Forget my preaching like when you got someone pray for you and God speaks through that person, it'll, it'll, it'll wreck your world. So I want to encourage you, go get prayer if you need prayer, um, which you all do. So I'm just telling you ahead of time, you do. Uh, and then uh, I want to invite Brittany and the band, why don't you guys come up? I'm going to pray for us. So, and why don't you guys all stand up? So those are the two options. You either go to the community table or you go get prayer. People ready to pray, go out to the sides. In fact, Brittany has a song that she wrote that she's going to play, um, and it's about Jesus being our Prince of Peace. You wrote this last year, Brittany? Okay, sorry, four years ago. She wrote it four years ago. She's a great songwriter. And so she wrote this song about Prince of Peace. And so, in fact, I'm going to have her sing that a little bit and let her release us just so you can soak in this a little bit. And you might be doing a little bit more listening than singing just because... Some of you guys might not be familiar with this song, and that's fine, but I want you to sit with this. What does God want you to do? What does he want you to ask prayer for? How does he want you to celebrate through the table? So, uh, Brittany, you go ahead and release us when, when you're ready. Holy Spirit, lead us, guide us.
Jesus, I pray for no fear in this room. That we, I just pray for freedom. That we get to be set free by your peace. By just being willing to obey you and follow you. God, I just pray for faith to be released in the room. People would get up and they would go get prayer. And they would see you're going to be there and you're going to work. You're not going to pull any tricks. You're trustworthy. You're steadfast. You're solid. You fulfill your promises. You're good. God, protect our hearts and minds right now. I pray anybody feeling numbed out or kind of going through the motions, God, you would just release faith. You would open the eyes of their heart. They would step in and, and participate in the worship that you want to invite them in right now. So, Spirit, lead us right now, I pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.